240. Sniffed. When all was said and done, the kin hunt had been a bigger ordeal than both Rain and Amelia had anticipated. Not because of the Gilders, the other parties having scampered away without confrontation, but because of the cleanup. The kin had spread out over a considerable area, and even with detection to find them, and ethereal aura to kill them from two tunnels over, collecting the tell meant navigating the entirety of the Shatter Warren. The zone was fairly tame, all things considered, but the Warren part of the name was accurate. The core of it was a pair of large intersecting fissures, intersecting in an X and making something of a crossroads. Smaller fissures and cracks split off from there, branching into a web of dead ends and cramped spaces. The adventurer's loot need was strong in both of them, but given the reward waiting with Mora and the more lucrative hunting in the depths below, it was debatable whether crawling through all that was worth it. They likely wouldn't have bothered had they not been engaged in a gratuitous levelling frenzy. Progress report, marker 1, 3 core, 3061, first harvest 01, 0915, marker 2, hoard handled, 3061, first harvest 1, 1802, span 8.8 hours, character, total experience, 6136316, to 7,936,316, plus 1,800,000. Monster kills, 791,375. Stamina use, 291,925. Mana use, 734,415. Skills, mana sight, plus 103,200 experience, 0 to 10, plus 10. Mana Vent, plus 103,200, experience, 0 to 10, plus 10. Endless Quiver, plus 51,600, experience, 0 to 10, plus 10. Energy Well, plus 25,800, experience, 0 to 10, plus 10. Seeker Shot, plus 7,515, experience, 0 to 8, plus 8. Air Walk, plus 17,715 experience, 0 to 7, plus 7. Attract, plus 6,270 experience, 0 to 6, plus 6. Healing word, plus 1,725 experience, 0 to 5, plus 5. Sniper shot, plus 1,500 experience, 0 to 3, plus 3. Empire of Brawn, plus 2,000 experience, 0 to 2, plus 2. Empire of Drive, plus 2,000 experience, 0 to 2, plus 2. Empire of Grit, plus 2,000 experience, 0 to 2, plus 2. Empire of Will, plus 2,000 experience, 0 to 2, plus 2. Prismatic Intent, plus 18,202 experience, 10 to 11, plus 1. Ranged Arsenal, plus 340 experience, 0 to 1, 
plus 1. Bleeder shot, plus 100 experience, 0 to 1, plus 1. Multi shot, plus 70 experience, 0 to 1, plus 1. Piercing shot, plus 25 experience, 0 to 1, plus 1. Drilling shot, plus 20 experience, 0 to 1, plus 1. Heavy armor infantry, 0 to 1, plus 1. Strong draw, 0 to 1, plus 1. Skills, filter, granted. Heavy armor, tier 3, man event, 10 out of 10, granted. Heavy armor infantry, 1 out of 10. Experience, 0 out of 800, granted. Hurling, tier 3, ranged arsenal, 1 of 10. Experience, 340 of 800, granted. Magical utility, tier 3, mana sight, 10 out of 10, granted. Physicality, tier 2, airwalk, 7 out of 10. Experience, 1,315 of 8,800, granted. Restoration, tier 0, healing word, 5 out of 10. Experience, 325 of 1,100, granted. Sharpshooting, tier 0, seeker shot, 8 out of 10. Experience, 1,215 of 2,900, granted. Drilling shot, 1 of 10. Experience, 20 of 100. Tier 1, piercing shot, 1 of 10. Experience, 25 of 200, granted. Strong draw, 1 of 10. Experience, 0 of 200, granted. Tier 2, endless quiver, 10 of 10, granted. Sniper shot, 3 of 10. Experience, 300 of 1,600, granted. Tier 3, bleeder shot, 1 of 10. Experience, 100 of 800, granted. Multi-shot, 1 of 10. Experience, 70 of 800, granted. Survivalist Utility Tier 1, Attract, 6 out of 10. Experience, 1,270 of 3,200, granted. Utility Auras Tier 1, Energy Well, 10 of 10, granted. Tier 3, Empire of Brawn 2 of 10, experience 1,200 of 1,600. Empire of Drive, 2 of 10, experience 1,200 of 1,600, granted. Empire of Grit, 2 of 10, experience 1,200 of 1,600, granted. Empire of Will, 2 of 10, experience 1,200 of 1,600, granted. Free Skill Points, 1. Energy Well had come first. At its 20% base efficiency, it was easy for Rain to simply throw mana at, which in turn made it the perfect tool for leveling Unity on Amelia's side. With the stamina that came as a byproduct, Rain had maxed Mana Vent, prioritizing it as the skill that made the biggest difference to his overall survivability. Then came Airwalk. While he'd made good headway in ranking up the mobility skill, the best he'd managed thus far was five slow steps without falling flat on his face. It didn't feel like much, despite knowing his rate of improvement, to be utterly astounding. Most who took the skill never managed more than a step or two at a time, taken to maneuver in the heat of battle, or when jumping a wide chasm or something. Amelia was an outlier 
able to walk calmly at silver, while some gold plates struggled to run, and even she hadn't learned in the space of an afternoon. His rapid progress would probably have made her feel like punching him in the head had she not known how much work had gone into his preparations. And those preparations were important. The contrast couldn't be more apparent comparing Airwalk and Attract. He hadn't allocated a skill cradle for the latter, and while ranking it had been a simple matter of spamming, that only resulted in increasingly aggressive peltings by the objects he was attempting to call. Attract wasn't supposed to be trivial in learning or anything, but it was on the level of other common magic like Firebolt, not even remotely in the same difficulty league as Airwalk. Only after pausing to assign it to a cradle had he made a breakthrough. With the spell untangled, a whole world of nuance had spread before him. He discovered the ability to vary the force on individual objects, even in mid-pull, and thus discovered the trick to not getting a mouthful of gravel. You had to ramp down the speed at the very end. It was like how an express elevator had to slow to avoid overshooting the desired floor. It still took practice, but he wouldn't have even known it was possible, without the skill isolated in its cradle, let alone had a hope of weaving the mana flows through his armor's interference. Speaking of mana flows, mana sight was a trip. Leveling it had been as simple as flipping on the active mode, boosting it with channel mastery, then leaving it running. With each rank, his vision had become clearer and clearer, until he could see in mana better than he could in light. Flows was definitely the correct word, Outside the soul, essence was all fields and zones, with various flavors and colors. Mana was much more active, streaming through the patterns of skills and, when cast poorly, leaking gaseously to join the ambient mana. Weather was an apt analogy for ambient mana, essence being better likened to climate. The facet of mana sight that mattered most to Rain was its impact on his cast quality. The fuzzy view he'd gotten from mana manipulation, then refined through study of essence, had been taken to the next level. It did diddly squat for Stammer using skills like Airwalk, but for his spells, it was as if a missing puzzle piece had slotted into place. He could not only see the patterns, but could begin to understand them. Commonality stood out. Similarities in sections of function subroutines could be studied, identified, and reverse-engineered. The path to custom skills wasn't open, but he could see the first step up the mountain. The first step of many. It was like staring at an arcane snippet on MSDN and contemplating rewriting the entirety of Windows. Oh, the things I'd fix. Rain chuckled at the audacity of the thought, spinning a conjured arrow through his fingers. He was presently idle, even his ram scoops on pause, as he rested beside Amelia on the shore of the subterranean lake. She was either working on her own answer to ram scoops, or had already gone to bed. He'd already finished his own work and slept, leaving keeping watch as his only obligation. The small cavern felt cosy and magical, 
warmly lit by the golden glow of radiance that painted their armour. At rank thirteen and well off the beaten path, it was the perfect place to rest before the sprint back to Threecore. Essence hung thick in the air, bubbling up from tiny cracks in the lake bed that extended beyond the range of detection. Not enough for him to steal it from Amelia, though. With his latest ram-scoop updates and their roving, he was actually doing okay despite his obscene manner usage. Amelia wasn't. She'd been awakened far longer than he had, and thus benefited from a stockpile of naturally purified essence, but she'd burned through it all. Boosted unity was expensive, and he couldn't cover her half with essence well effectively. Fifty mana a second, about what he could send at full efficiency, was nothing. It was about the same as her winter-boosted regeneration. While they could have continued with transferred mana alone, there was no need to, and he wasn't about to leave her behind when a few hours of work could set her right. He would never say it, not wanting to get killed, but lately she'd been looking a little flabby in a spiritual sense. It was actually a good sign, meaning she was on the same path of growth as he was, albeit at a less explosive pace. Ram scoops, or whatever equivalent she came up with, would help. Prolonged lack of pressure had led to his own paling shriveling up like a grape on the way to raisinhood, but his growing confidence in all things soul-related assured him that it wasn't an issue. It was just a symptom of the degree to which he'd outpaced his tree-unlock schedule. If anything, I think I can push even harder. Not right now, though. Plenty of other stuff to catch up on. Summoning a zone codex, and still idly playing with the arrow, he began to read, only to be given pause two lines in. There'd been a hit on the detection anchor he'd left at the crossroads. His sweep patterns quickly identified it as not one signal but two on top of each other, a human and a tamed monster. Both were unknown to him, approaching the intersection from the direction of Threecore. His arrow, now frozen mid-twirl, rain-flipped Manasite to active and pushed it through detection, which he'd been delighted to learn counted as a compatible sensory skill. The combo didn't let him actually see through detection in a physical sense. It was still just radar returns, but it did make mana into a valid target. Thus, he discovered that both the human and the monster had silver-level mana pools. A subsequent query revealed the human's mana to be almost entirely light aspect, Illuminator Lagruz? Now that's silly. Why would he leave Threecourt just after his apprentices arrived? And Illuminators aren't tamers. They've got crafting classes, so he wouldn't be alone out here. The Entente would never allow it. It's probably just some random silver headed for the Foundry Bypass. A tamer with light aspect mana. Why? What's the point of that? Unless it's not a tamer. The monster could belong to someone else. Damn it, the anchor's not good enough for me to tell who's chasing who. The signals overlap with the margin of error. Biting his lip, 
Rain glanced at Amelia, wondering whether he should wake her. This was back at the crossroads, and likely had nothing to do with them. Very little time had passed, but the pair were moving fast. He'd learned soon enough which path they chose, and the one that led toward their little cave was otherwise a dead end. They'd have no reason to take it. Before the pair reached the intersection for him to find out, more signals appear. Ones he did recognize. Mora? And the fledglings? The beardy brothers too? The unknown signal must be the illuminator then. Why is he so far out front? And where's he go? He just turned our way. Hey, Rain said aloud, laying a hand on Amelia's shoulder. Her eyes sprung open. Trouble? Possibly, Rain replied, getting to his feet as she sat up. Company for sure. He moved to face the entrance. Unless I'm very wrong, I think Illuminator Lagraz is coming to say hello. Riding some sort of monster. I don't have an ID lock, but that's the most reasonable scenario. Mora and her guards are chasing him straight towards us, and they brought the fledglings. What? Amelia asked as she rose to join him, summoning her bow. You're sure they're coming here? Unless they took a wrong turn. Our runes are on, so it's probably a tracking skill. What is this guy's build? Is he a crafter or not? How long do we have? Amelia asked, dismissing her bow again. At the speed they were going, about a minute, Rain replied realizing he was still holding the conjured arrow. He tossed it into the lake, dismissing the codex window. They just left range of the anger. Mora's group has sped up and just took the same turn. Either they're tracking us too, or they're tracking Legruz. If it's Legruz, you're sensing, Amelia said. Why would he follow us? Rain searched the inside of his cheek with his tongue but didn't find the answer. Impulsiveness? He guessed. Mora did say he was a trial. You don't think detection's wrong, do you? Counter-divination? Rain shrugged. It doesn't feel like it's being messed with. No matter the criteria I pick, the signals are clear, and they're following the tunnels perfectly. A mentalist could probably make me hallucinate something that detailed but not through Granny Brain's shell. Can you think of any other way to fool detection so completely? Amelia shook her head. Twenty seconds, Rain said, picking up the lead pair directly and estimating their speed. Mora and the others were now in the dead end. She wouldn't have brought the fledglings if she was chasing a fugitive or something, but he still felt himself tensing up. Occam said it was the Illuminator. Murphy said they were about to be in a fight for their lives. Just before the twenty elapsed, light exploded from the cave entrance. Curtains of violet and blue came first. Vibrant auroras slithering like ribbons into the chamber and chasing the walls to surround them. Next came showers of sparks, blue again exploding in random clusters like silent fireworks. One cluster detonated practically in his face and sent his heart leaping into his throat, 
but the sparks only flared when they came into contact with radiance. In addition to making a great nightlight, the inverted offensive aura gave him some token-like resistance. But this hadn't been an attack to be resisted. It was showboating. Allo, allo, allo. A male voice cried out in Zelanda. Swarms of blazing stars whizzing through the room and detonating in riots of colour. But Rain's eyes went to the enormous monster that had just surged out of the tunnel, heralded by the muffled thudding of dozens of padded feet. It was a catapede. That wasn't the system's name for it, but Rain's decided in the spur of the moment. He couldn't see health bars or title cards for other people's tamed monsters outside of a lair. The creature had sleek white fur and a snaky body the length and breadth of a fallen oak tree. It reminded him of a certain luck dragon, except Falcor hadn't had nearly so many legs. The monster's head was assuredly more cat-like too, with triangular ears, inquisitive feline eyes, and an adorably pink boop. Movement from the catapede's back tore Rain's eyes away from its majesty, and he beheld quite possibly the most flamboyant individual he'd ever seen. Illuminator Legras, for there could be no doubt at this point, wore a bedazzled white and blue jacket, open at the chest to reveal a shirt so puffy and white that Rain momentarily thought the man was smuggling a sheep. He stood upon the catapede's saddle, posed in a perfect Y. Tassels dangling from the arms of his jacket dripped glowing blue droplets, reminding Rain of those LED strings meant to evoke icicles. His hair was blue too, styled in luxurious waves. As much as one might expect jewellery, however, he wore none. Not that it was needed. His pale skin seemed to sparkle like freshly fallen snow. In contrast to all that ostentatiousness, the man's soul was nothing special. It had the liquid luster that marked him as silver, and its strength was nothing to sneeze at, but he and Amelia were stronger. Legras was a crafter, despite the catapede he was linked to, and unknown tracking skill he'd used to find them, and whatever else. Rain could just tell. A second passed. Then two. The man kept up his pose as lights swirled around him, looking at the ceiling as if waiting for something. The catapede licked its lips, bored. Unsure if he was expected to clap, Rain glanced at Amelia, then cleared his throat. Greetings of the light? May it shine eternal, Legras hooted, his soul radiating pure elation as he hopped down to land with poise that was ruined by his rapid rush forward. Coming to a stop with his face uncomfortably close to Rain's chest, the illuminator closed his eyes and inhaled deeply before straightening and laying the back of a hand to his forehead with a satisfied sigh. That's the stuff. Did he just sniff me? Excuse you? Amelia said, stepping forward protectively. Who are you, and what do you want? No, 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 
The man snapped. Literally, he snapped his fingers with each word. I know who I am. The question is, who are you? You are a mystery, I say. The most delicious mystery. When I learned I had missed you, my very heart shattered. And it was all I could do to gather my sleepy words and convince that dreadful woman to let them accompany me. Your presence is so clean. I've never felt such order as that which wafts from you. It is as cool and pure and simply... He choked, stricken, now laying his other hand on his forehead. Where the volcano is heat and motion, you are an unending taunt, yet smooth as... as... Words fail, and you... That spell you are using to link yourself to him, beauty and strength, I must create. Of course he can see unity. Drat. No point turning it off now. The colors, which had toned down slightly, flared back to vibrancy as the man raised his hands. Seeming to draw threads of light from his tassels, he began weaving them into an image. He drew a stream then a waterfall, plunging into a perfect reproduction of the lake behind them. So fantastic and utterly ridiculous was the show that Rain actually missed Mora and Bryce as they entered the chamber. The Entente leader's voice shook him out of it. Hello again, mouse, tiger, Mora said, looking worn as she negotiated her way around the catapede. She stopped by its head reaching up to rub behind its ear, which it seemed to appreciate. Sorry about this. I tried to stop him, but... Oh, gods! Gen panted, stumbling out of the tunnel with his sister riding piggyback. Why is everyone so fast? Why are you so slow? Said one of the bearded Entente officers, as the two of them entered. Never having learned their names, Rain temporarily dubbed them Leftbeard and Rightbeard. They both bore the same tower shields they'd held previously, but were now further burdened by a fledgling apiece. Remezzo and Latrau were promptly set down beside Bryce, all of them looking uncomfortable. They'd been carried the whole way, clearly, leaving them windswept, but unwinded. Stamina, Gen gasped, pleadingly, motioning to Amelia, who responded with energy well, excluding everyone else with her borrowed copy of IFF. The difference did not go unnoticed, judging from the curious looks of the other fledglings. They all looked down, clearly wondering why they weren't affected, nor did the base action go unnoticed by the Illuminator. Magnificent! Legras screamed, abandoning his artwork, which was shockingly good for how little time he'd been working on it. Dancing on his toes with excitement, he rushed over to Amelia, and it was Rain's turn to feel protective as she was subjected to the sniff. A flawless cast, he exclaimed, as Rain interposed himself. The Illuminator backed off easily enough, now struggling to remain standing as he alternated hands to the forehead, 
Smooth, smooth, smooth. Really, I am sorry, Mora said with a tired sigh. Le Gros, one of these days, I'm just going to let you go out on your own. Getting yourself mauled might actually be what it takes for you to wise up. My job would be a lot easier if something chewed your legs off. You worry too much, Le Gros said, waving a hand dismissively. We saw nary a monster on the way, and I have Peter Patter to protect me. Peter Patter? Rain mouthed as the catapede stretched lustrously, the motion travelling along its body like a wave. All the fledglings stepped back except for Nim, who was inching closer, fingers extended toward that luxurious fur. And why do you think there weren't any monsters, huh? Mora demanded, marching up to Legros and pointing at Rain and Amelia without looking at them. If they hadn't cleared the way, you and your cat would be kin food. Pfft, kin, Legros said, waving a hand again. Peter Patter would not be bothered by such disgusting and feeble things. Mora sighed, muttering to herself, Talking to you is useless. Straightening back up, she turned to face Rain and Amelia. Good work, you two. I wasn't expecting you to be so fast about it, let alone so thorough. I'll pay you in a minute. Rain glanced at Legras wondering if it was okay for him to know about the secret quest, but Mora just sighed. Don't worry about him, she said. I doubt he even heard a word I said. In fact, he doesn't pay attention to a damn thing if it doesn't interest him, and it looks like that's you today. Again, I'm sorry. It's fine, Amelia said, dancing around rain to keep him between her and the overexcited illuminator. You must tell me your secrets, Legras demanded. We must do no such thing, Rain said. I'd be willing to share a few things. Maybe, if you tell us how you did that. He gestured toward the unfinished artwork, hanging forgotten in the air, but no less vibrant for being neglected. How dare you, Legras shouted but his sudden affront wasn't from touchiness over Illuminator's secrets, or related to Rain's words at all, apparently. He whirled on the catapede, jabbing at it with a finger. You take that back. The catapede released a deep, unrepentant meow. Legras huffed even louder, perhaps perceiving some grievous insult, then proceeded to get into an argument with the elongated cat beast, Nim wisely vacated the area. Where's yours anyway? Leftbeard asked. Huh? Rain asked. I'm sorry? Your pet slime, Leftbeard clarified, inclining his head toward Amelia. Or hers, the one that was on their shoulder before. Oh, he's around, Rain said, checking inside his soul. In the face of this ridiculousness, 
He supposed it didn't really matter if anyone realised Dozer could pop in and out of existence. He'll come out once he's done sulking. That got him a curious look, but there was no time for follow-up before Legras was striding back toward them, beaming with his arms wide open. Peter Patter and I have decided. You will come back with us to Srikor. No, Mora said flatly before Rain or Amelia could reply. They have business in the depths that doesn't involve babysitting a crazy person. You have apprentices to train. Dysties grant us shelter, said Rightbeard. Rain made a placating gesture. As I said, we'll be happy to tell you some things, if you tell us some things. Maybe over a meal? He jerked a thumb over his shoulder. There's a big fish thing in there that we were planning on eating. After that, though, we really do need to be going. Aw, poo, Legras declared, stomping a foot. He glanced back at Pitapata. Then his grin returned. Very well. We accept your offer of frontier sustenance, and then we shall come with you to wherever it is that you go. Now, to begin, I have just a few questions. Damn it, at least wait for the fish, Mora growled, moving toward Legras and trying to herd him away without touching him. Of the two of them, Mora felt stronger despite being bronze. The way she was acting like he was poisonous likely meant she wasn't allowed to use force. Politics again. Any ideas? Rain asked, turning to Amelia. Unfortunately, there was no help to be found there. So, how do you find the taste of your own cooking? She asked, struggling to contain her amusement. Just a few questions. Ha! Ha! 